da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. We are so sorry to keep the man fam waiting for this. We know there's a lot of people who have tweeted, emailed, and um, snail mailed us over the past couple days requesting our review of Bohemian Rhapsody. So we're going to play all seven minutes of the song, go through yeah. it line by line, <laughs> and I didn't appreciate Bohemian those, Rhapsody. I didn't appreciate those packages by that guy in Miami requesting this movie or yeah, else. That was that was a little <laughs> bad timing on our parts. And the package got delayed for some reason, too, if you want to resend it. <laughs> um, but, yes, we are here. We all saw the film, and we are ready to talk about it. We had a few bonus episodes, this- bonus reviews to get out of the way first, and uh, we'll still – Get this out hopefully in a timely manner, and I'm excited to talk about this one because it was uh, the number one movie last weekend and broke all estimate records or Triple whatever you want to call it. So good hey, for Queen. Real quick, this comes out. This will be out what Thursday the eighth. We'll put this It'll episode be out, out Wednesday night. So yes, basically Thursday. Yeah. I just want to say to everybody. I mean, just get out there and vote. I just want to make yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> really your time guys. yeah i mean don't it's really it's, important it's yeah. it's it's not a right it's a privilege get out there i don't care who you vote for but get out there thursday november 8th and vote like so sorry i don't want to get political yes. but it's important that we do that make sure you so. post your uh, endorsement for a political <laughs> candidate literally one hour before if you're the biggest pop star in the world and you endorse a political <laughs> candidate how about you you post it like the week before the election <laughs> instead of like an hour before polls close. Ah, oh, crap. You just got to run out. Ah, oh, yeah. finally. Some social media uh, intern was to so see what fired. Beyonce thought. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Beyonce. Well, um. But seriously, I mean, vote or seriously, die. yeah. We will see if <laughs> uh, the support pays off eventually. But mm, yep. here we go with um, movie news. Rumors, rumblings. Yes! Rumors and rumblings. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Before we get into a couple of uh, movie news items, we have an announcement to make. Mm. We teased this uh, earlier uh, when we talked El Royale, or bad times at the El Royale, I should say. I was going to say bad Royale. I was like, that's definitely not it. Um, But... This is a uh, well, let me start off by just saying how great the past five years of this show have been. Um, honestly, if you had told me when we started the show, hey, in five years you're still going to be doing every <laughs> week with the with these guys be doing the show, I would have definitely taken uh, the uh, opposite bet on that. Uh, just didn't know where it was going to go, to be honest, when we started this thing. But now mm-hmm. that we're five years into it. Um, I really feel like we're starting to um, hit our stride in some of our reviews, and it's still just as fun as it was the first day we did the show. And so having said that, the show is going to continue for as long as humanly possible, and <laughs> and we have really enjoyed doing the VIP thing. And shout out to the people who support us over on our Patreon and uh, donate a dollar a week to – be a part of that experience. It's been a blast, and we're planning a lot of big stuff for 2019 for those people. We've already started talking about it. It's going to be a great year, more inclusion, a lot of different things we're working on. So 
Uh, look forward to that, VIPs. But without further ado, like I said, we started the show in 2013. Uh, we had radio experience, and we talked about movies, but we really didn't do a movie-focused review or anything like that. We weren't critics, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so over the past couple of years, I would say we've definitely gained our own audience and uh, people that really look to us to see what we think about movies, maybe before seeing them or, or afterwards. It'll change their, their scope on that. Um, I don't know why, but there are people out there that definitely take what we say to heart. Uh, we, we were really honestly just having fun recording with each other and, and being friends and all that and then talking about the movies. But um, we, we really appreciate the people who take us uh, for our word and, and respect our opinions. That, that means the world for, for someone to do that. So having said that, the final reveal. We have, um, let's just say we've been given credibility. We've been honored with credibility officially as movie critics and uh, as a movie podcast. So without further ado, we are now contributors to Rotten Tomatoes. (gasps) Yes. So we're now Kent Richard Bryan, all three able to vote fresh or rotten on your. So now you think you. Look at our opinions and take it to heart. Now you're literally <laughs> going to when you go to Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, you're required to now. You're and, required to. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is sitting right at 60%. So depending on what happens tonight, <laughs> the three of us can easily knock that thing down to, to Rotten if we so choose. So having that kind of power is, has been fun. And I speak for Brian. I think he really did knock Operation Finale to Rotten. This week, I did. It was and, weird. Uh, that's, that is a powerful, it. powerful ability. While to have. tweaking his nipples, he yeah. was super into it. <laughs> Very Bob Costas, crap Ben Kingsley. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what you did, but yeah. So did not care for Trevor. Don't worry, I have already <laughs> given both. Now you see me, and now you see me too. F minuses. And um, did you? That was a right out the gate. That's like the first thing you did. Yep. Got to make sure we we got to get and those the predator. In. And the predator. I, like I had to do that one, and then yeah. I was like, okay, I can go and reuse yeah. some from some current films now. But but yeah, I just want to say thank you to the team of Rotten Tomatoes who have been awesome in helping us get certified and got all our credentials and everything. And for them, there's a big approval process for these types of things, and and for them to yeah, approve us months, as a literally it took a long it took, time. It took a while. Yeah, and they kind of vet out who they add, and and that we have to have certain meet certain criteria and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, had to take a polygraph. Yeah, it's they, pretty serious. They, luckily, they didn't do a background check because we <laughs> Richard's got some, some pretty let's just say skeletons, stuff. like literally right. in his closet, <laughs> actual um, skeletons. Like yeah. So of Victorian era children. <laughs> That's the weird part. So yeah, so shout out to Team Rotten Tomatoes. Like yeah. I said, we we we're very fair weather on whether you should take Rotten Tomatoes seriously or not, <laughs> because we sometimes do and don't. No, it's a tool. It's a tool. It's, it's an definitely just an aggregation tool. Yeah, uh, more absolutely. I've realized, and and my scale has been. I don't know what you set your scale to, but anything lower than a B, I'm considering rotten. Um, yeah, I've been going C B plus, B minus. B minus is, is a rotten start to me. To draw the line, and I, I just I want them to debate. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, C plus. When I've been going, been going back through and, and putting in some of my reviews, I've it's been C plus is is a uh, is rotten and and B minus is fresh. 
for oh B minus is fresh almost rears? all the way. Yeah, I'm going B minus. B minus is kind of the line for me of of what is uh, what is. A I fresh gave way movie. too many bad movies B minuses, so I couldn't do that. I was like, I can't, I can't give some of these a a fresh That's of fair. how bad I talked about them. B to me, B is watchable. Anything B B or under, sure. It's it's like, yeah, it serves an audience, but no, I don't like this. B sure. is B is yeah, my sure. passes the test grade. I know it should be C, but it's B. So, yeah. No, so yeah, it's been a fun a fun time, and uh, looking forward to do to you know reviewing movies in advance and and getting our grades out there and thoughts out there before before. Um, we get uh, to review them on the show, which will be awesome. So mm-hmm. just thank you to them. You guys have anything to say, Brian? Any, Richard? No, it's just been really – it's cool. This has been uh, – this show has been kind of a labor Especially of for you, for, Brian. You've been in kind of the movie criticism yeah, sure, bit for, sure. for way longer than Richard and I have. So this is uh, – Yeah, this is really – this is the culmination of, of a lot of – Look, a lot this of show is fun to do, and we we enjoy doing it, and we'll keep doing it just because we enjoy doing it. Um, but it would be it would be false to say that it is not hard work, and it has been hard work for a long, you know, for almost six years that we've been doing this. And like you said, Kent, I I've been writing in writing movie reviews and and lists and articles and stuff like that in semi professional and totally unprofessional ways for. I don't know, five years before that, maybe. So it's been a, a very long, uh, arduous journey in some ways. So it's, 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 it's nice to have some kind of credibility on that, but it more than anything, just for us, that, that kind of, it's like a small justification of, of all the time and, and hours and, and money sometimes that we put into making this thing, uh, go. So no, this has been a blast for, for six years and it's fun that we now have, um, some something to to kind of hang our hat on beyond something that is kind of tangible beyond like we've carved out a very strong market for ourselves and have great listeners and all this sort of stuff and have really genuinely built that up from on our own you know without really any corporate help or anything like that that's that's a huge accomplishment but this is kind of like this little added tangible benefit and it'll be fun so yeah you can find us on rotten tomatoes you can go to the critics list and search for all three of our names you can go to the publications list and search for mad about movies and see our reviews there and and it was kind of cool seeing uh we've been slowly going kent and i have been slowly going back and putting in our reviews for for episodes past and seeing those uh seeing those scores pop up and our little blurbs and the grades Mm -hmm. and you're right there was like Operation Finale was like the fifth or sixth one that I put in, and it dropped it from fresh to rotten. And it was like, oh, there are consequences for my actions, and I am scared. But uh, it was it's it's pretty cool to be able to to be a part of it. So very cool. Shout out. Well, let's hit these movie news bits, guys. A um, few things I want to mention. I saw the trailer for Secret Life of Pets two, and oh, yeah. uh, it now stars. Patton Oswalt instead of Louis oh. C.K. in the in the lead Smart. role. I wonder how many kids Smart. are going to notice that change. Probably zero, right? Zero. Yeah, yeah. It was so. weird when the dog forced you to watch him pee and lick himself. <laughs> it was. With, with they cut that person. out. Yeah. But that's got to be awkward for the people that were making that movie for that to happen. It's like, well, he's the star of our movie, so now <laughs> what do we do? But you do have the benefit of animation to uh, change the voice, and everybody's good, right? So Secret Life of Pets 2 the Max trailer uh, 
is um, coming out, I believe, next summer. And we will probably review it. We reviewed the first one for some reason. Uh, <laughs> there probably was nothing out that week, but we definitely yeah, reviewed probably. it. So if you're a huge fan of that movie, go check out that uh, review. Um, also, we um, have a sequel announced. Not a sequel, actually a – it is a sequel. So they are making Breaking Bad into a movie. Oh, and yeah. It will be a sequel – that is Jesse after the series finale or follows him and what he does. So I thought we had that with Need for Speed. Is that yeah? Right? Basically, <laughs> the, what they figured out is Aaron Paul is kind of always going to be Jesse, and we can't take that away. And so let's just do things of him with as Jesse, and so he can have a career again. You know, he's it's been hard for him to kind of move out of that. Um, I don't know. He was just so iconic in that in that role that Brian Cranston's, you know, as iconic as Walter White was, Brian Cranston's kind of sinks into a character a little bit more than uh, Aaron Paul. So mm. I'll be interested to see where they go with this. Maybe they tie in with Better Call Saul. Maybe they um, bring back Walter White. We'll see or reveal what his fate was if he in fact is alive or whatever. Um, surely Brian Cranston has to be involved. Or why would they do this, right? Why wouldn't they just do a yeah, Jesse like TV I don't series? Know. Yeah, I it, this seems a little odd to me. I'm not I and I I just kind of reminded myself that just in general we as a population were kind of not sold on the Better Call Saul idea and that's turned out to be maybe Great. better than Breaking Bad. Like oh, it's wow. so good. Statement. It's so good. It is very uh, good, but gosh. Certainly more enjoyable than Breaking Bad, I would say. But uh, yeah, is very very good at the least. And so, but this doesn't this doesn't seem super necessary to me, especially in movie form. I feel like Jesse kind of has the the perfect. I don't know. Just kind of watching him. I don't want to ruin Breaking Bad five years later, but watching him be able to leave and have his freedom and be free of Walter at the same time, like that's that's fine. I don't know. I don't really need to know anything more than that. Um, and if it's, it's, it's a sequel, right? Like it's not, it's so unless they did flashbacks, I don't know how you get Walter into it. So it's, I, I'm sure that it will prove to be, I will, I will prove to be dumb for doubting that this could be any good, but it certainly doesn't seem super necessary to me at this moment. Wow. I'm just seeing this note. I was talking to a friend earlier about this not being a thing. And I was confused as to why it wasn't a thing with all the things that are things these days. Um, Guillermo del Toro is directing a Pinocchio movie for Netflix, and I was just like, yeah. "That's the one of the, to me. That's one of the most obvious ones." If you're Disney doing the live action thing, I think like I feel like you could do a modern version of Pinocchio, like maybe with AI, kind of an ex machina thing, or or AI the movie thing. Um, that would be pretty interesting. Like a modernized Geppetto who's actually like a computer guy or something. I think that could be really fun. Maybe Del Toro does that or goes back to the origin of Pinocchio, but we'll see. But that would have been one of the first ones I would have done if I was Disney. Downey was circling that for a long time, too. Yeah, to be Geppetto, yeah. He had his, uh, I don't think he could ever get funding for it or something. Because it's one of those public domain um, stories, probably. And so anybody can kind of make their version of it, like Mm -hmm. the Jungle Book. And, um, and so, yeah, Del Toro, 
taking the reins of that. That seems like a property that he would he would do, and I think that's a pretty decent fit, at least from the announcement. And it's good for Netflix too, to not, for us to not have to go to a theater and see that and redo it, and we can just chill. yeah, that's good because. <laughs> Puppet sex is definitely a thing in this, right? Like that's, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. what's headed our way. <laughs> like here, just mm-hmm. hmm. That, yeah, we'll I'm to... creeped out by Pinocchio. I'll be I like that. I yeah, don't, that's what I mean. I it like could be movie. like, yeah, it could be like a creepy robot-y kind of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want it. I'm, I'm creeped out by Disney Pinocchio, and I'm super creeped out by Roberto Benigni Pinocchio. Oh. I, I'm, I'm okay with no Pinocchio, honestly. Yeah. Well, I can't live without Pinocchio, so it's gonna, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm tired of watching the VHS every Just morning. Every when I get night up. pops in the laser desk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gotta go to sleep. Need my 85 minutes routine of watching Jiminy, Pinocchio. my Jiminy Cricket doll on my bed. <laughs> that thing's seen better days. Dude. It has. For a good and, reason, and, though. For a good and reason. way worse days, too. Yeah. It's seen both. Yeah, yeah depending on your perspective. Okay. Um, in Netflix news, other Netflix news. Netflix lost forty million by firing Kevin Spacey and sacking his, scrapping his uh, last movie. That was a um, stinks too. Gore Vidal, by Gore Vidal, which would have been good. Yeah. Oh yeah, dang. Can they do the Christopher Plummer thing with that and just probably? But it might have been so far past the production stage that it was impossible for them to do it. You know, producer Steven was playing other actors uh, and stuff. Producer Steven was playing the uh, William F. Buckley part. So it was going to be great. <laughs> Is that documentary still on Netflix? That's something people need to go watch. Like That's Gore great. Yeah, the Gore Vidal mm-hmm. uh, Buckley. Buck- What's it called? No, I can't, it's, I can't it's think It's like of it Worst of Friends or it has some kind of punny name yeah. like that. You'll find it faster than me. Yeah, I'll look at it. Yeah. So that last season House of Cards came and went pretty fast, didn't it? Yeah, it seemed like Twitter was Greg trying Kinnear, hard though. to make that important, and I I don't know I don't I don't I know anybody hear any, that's actually anybody say it. anything about it. Well, that's just one of those dis to me. That's like it's, like why? Yeah, it's like you know, the the example spent of a disconnect. Probably a hundred million dollars producing that last season of House of Cards or whatever. It right, is. right. I I don't know. Well, if you got anyone who's I quit. Like, we were not ending on this. Brian, we're not letting Kevin ruin the show. That's why yeah. they did it. Yeah, totally. and I get VR. that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, and they did, to their credit, they paid the crew while they figured it out and stuff. Like, sure. that's awesome. They good, did it the right way. Good yeah. on by Netflix. And, and mm-hmm. we all like, uh, we, we're not huge Claire Underwood fan, fans, but I, we all like Robin Wright a lot. So, you know, give her a shot sure. at it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that show, that was such a great one season. And then just mm-hmm. immediately, mm-hmm. immediately, yeah. got, I bailed like halfway through season three and I, I walk out of a lot of movies. I don't normally bail on a TV show that I'm too far in on, that far in on rather. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is not worth, you know. Yeah, I got too I much Manifest to watch, two. man. Manifest is out there and <laughs> way too fest. much Property Brothers out here. So I got to uh, give a swerve yeah, on. I was out on that when like the opening of season three, I think. He like peeing on his father's grave. Like in within the first five minutes, I was like, okay, I know where this is going. I don't, I don't. He's this guy is a horrible, horrible human being, and it turned out yeah. he was. So right. we got to see it. <laughs> just art imitates, which life. is uh, fine, by the way. Right. I'm fine with an awful protagonist. It's just you've yeah, got to be. But once you go that, once, once you, you find swing that many somebody, times, 
yeah, once you go that evil with it, it becomes less yeah. interesting. You know, there, well, was no... there was there was no fo- there was nobody. Yeah, no foil. Know. They just were so so much smarter than everybody else. You could see by the end of season two for me, I was like, I can see where this ends. I know how this yeah. plays out because the only one who is capable of taking him down at this point is his wife. Is his wife. So yep. we've built this mythos that we're putting them on this this path for another five years. I, just, I have no, I didn't, I didn't need it. And then everything else came out too, so it was fine. Uh, best yeah. of enemies is what that. Oh, Best, Best of Enemies. That's... And it is on Netflix. So check that. That's a that's side recommend. Great, great documentary. Man, yep. I'll sock one to you, Brian, if you watch it. <laughs> anyway. So yes. the um the Boba Fett movie is officially dead after they're doing mm. the Mandalorian uh television series. So yeah, if there's any movie, question about if that would be the next Star Wars story, no. Now there's none confirmed mm-hmm. so maybe they mm-hmm. don't do those anymore could be could be could i don't take think that's such a bad reassess. decision no i agree i agree i agree and i think it'll be fun uh the tv show will be that's a that's a story a universe an idea i think that you can explore really well on tv versus movie so so have you guys seen the newest trailer or been subjected to the newest alita battle angel trailer gosh almighty mm. I I have seen that trailer, Kent, and I gotta tell you, I'm Speaking not of more money, impressed. Right? <laughs> oh man, he's Good like, gracious. yeah, we spent 250 million, but there's the audience worldwide is is big enough that it'll that isn't that what uh, Luke Besson said about uh, Valerian? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like, mm-hmm. well, the, the the audience worldwide, like, if even half the people that have this comic come see it, look, we'll make our triple our money or whatever and yeah. nobody came that oh, was man. uh that was pretty embarrassing for him to to say those types of things and uh yeah for those things to happen don't ever say what your movie's gonna make no don't say well it'd don't... be great if anybody came to see it that's what you always say and if it makes yeah. money great and if it's an embarrassment <laughs> say you know what it's me being an artist and artist objective <laughs> right, and right. i'll move on i'll do something else Sure. And we'll see how yeah. that works. You don't. Yeah. When call defensive shot, directors, yeah. I cannot stand that. Same here. Defensive and those the the pre <laughs> the pre show offensive when it's just like what uh, Basan did, where it's just like, hey, don't call your shot. Oh yeah, he's like, I'm excited to really let everybody movie. and show like, everybody how good Cara Delevingne yeah. is as an actress. Right. Like, yeah, really? You said that? We <laughs> all know she's terrible. Just We've seen her dying for that. Yes, we we desperately need. Carol Delevingne and and Dane DeHaan as leads in <laughs> huge budget action movies. That's what we're all dying for. Wow, that was a uh, pretty embarrassing. That movie like shut down industries in France because it was independently financed through. He just raised the money, and so many people lost their jobs because of that. It's it's kind of embar- it's not kind of it's it's very embarrassing. Like a lot of people. Uh, are no longer working in the company shut down things like that because of how badly that movie flopped and alita looks like that so yeah i was not, gonna say what you think alita is gonna be a flop or are we gonna be eating our uh, words I, that, I just can't the it, masterpiece if, if you could do alita on i, I if you did alita for 80 million dollars i think that's a reasonable investment you want to be in the robert rodriguez business you want to take chances and make ambitious film like i'm all for those things you spent well over $200 million making this movie that looks like this and has now been moved three times. 
there is almost a zero percent chance that that is going to make money. Like I can't, I whatever. Like if I'm wrong, I'm Casper wrong. Van, I'm happy Casper Van Dien's in it, <laughs> so you know it's is good. he really uh, in it? <laughs> uh, yeah, he plays Amok. Looking at it now, Obviously. when you have a cast of Michelle Rodriguez, <laughs> Jack Earl Haley, uh, Mahershala Ali, Jennifer Conley, Queen, Christoph like, Waltz, Christoph Waltz, and Casper Van Dien. Now we got a stew going. <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't. I, like I've said before, I just feel like you, I feel like we can write the, uh, the blogs lamenting how little money this made right now. Just, oh, but it's so great. And people just didn't give it a chance because they'd rather see whatever Transformer movies or something like, yeah, because Transformer movies don't look weird. That's, I mean. I I don't know if that's fair or not, or that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it looks odd. It's going to be a difficult sell to middle America and the average moviegoer. Just yeah. point blank. There's so definitely why... a following of the of the manga, but I just yeah. think they overestimate what that Same. following is. Right. 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 This like will said, eighty million, hundred million dollars. Great. Two hundred exactly. fifty. That's a really bad. That means this thing has to make like five hundred million to be profitable. Right. right. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I'm pretty sad speaking of James Cameron that they switched the, the font for Avatar officially it's not Papyrus anymore oh, sad. No. what's even funnier is that they probably switched it because of that sketch which is hilarious <laughs> to, to have the, the literal highest grossing movie of all time to have that branding out there and be like oh, we're going to change the branding just slightly for these new uh, new films but yeah no no one's talking about Avatar 2. I don't know why, but we'll see. Also, uh, another Star Wars note real quick before we talk Bohemian Rhapsody. Oscar Isaac says he's retiring from acting after the next Star Wars for for uh, the next year or two because he's burnt out. Take a break. Yeah. Okay. Good for him. Get a, get yeah. a breather because he's a hot commodity, and I love him. Do a so. DiCaprio. DiCaprio hasn't been yeah. in anything since the freaking uh, Revenant. Revenant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he literally yeah. ate a horse's heart for that. He's movie. been in a bear, but yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's taken up permanent residence in that bear with a, with four models. <laughs> it's part of the contract. Right. I'll go to the bear, but four my four right. models have. I to get be. this bear when this is over. All right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's uh, move on, guys, and let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, such a classic tune is Bohemian Rhapsody. It seems like it, uh, is this just fantasy? We, um, it feels like this move, this, uh, song, by the way, just kind of reemerges every few years it becomes kind of a pop culture thing everyone just remembers bohemian rhapsody every few years it's not just because of this movie um it's it's happened like several times that i've been alive at least that uh <laughs> like remember when the muppets did the bohemian rhapsody thing and everyone that went the first viral things yeah and uh and yeah and when they did live aid it it went on the charts again people were like oh yeah queen's was pretty good pretty good band um so this movie has been, I guess a version of this movie has been in the works 
almost since our show started. I remember talking about the Sasha Baron Cohen version. That was going to happen for a while. That was confirmed and then didn't happen because of disagreements about the direction of it. And uh, Sasha wanted to do an R-rated version and thought that you can't tell the story accurately without an R-rated version of the story he, because it is Queen. He was right. <laughs> and um, and so he was kind of the, you know, top pick for most people to play Freddie Mercury. Um, I will admit Rami Malek is an interesting choice for, mm-hmm. for Freddie Mercury and definitely had the quality you would want other than being like six foot three that I think uh, Sasha Baron <laughs> Cohen would look way more like him. If, But I think uh, Rami Malek. It could have been worse in, the, in them trying to find find the fit. So, having said that, we move on to our general thoughts. Um, okay, so I like Queen, the band. I really enjoy sure. Queen's music. Mm-hmm. I have always enjoyed Queen's music. And let's just say the parts of this movie that I enjoyed um, <laughs> were because of Queen music, right? And I feel like anyone who's seen this, uh, their review would be kind of the same. And that's what I've heard ever since I've seen it from friends or or what have you is, man, I I love We Will Rock You. God, Another One Bites the Dust is such a good song. Or, Mm -hmm. gosh, when they're playing Radio Gaga at at Live Aid. That's so – I remember that. I remember watching that. Remember, you know? Um, So essentially this is a Queen Greatest Hints compilation – um, as biopic, right, and everything else, just the rise to fame the entire time. Just this, I'll go over it. The circumstances of of some of the events. I don't know if they particularly happened the way they said they did, and uh, a lot of it felt kind of jumbled and rushed at times. But I will admit, there were moments that I was like, okay, this is pretty good. There was a, like a guilty. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a guilty pleasure quality to this like a um it only really sits out to do one thing which is please queen fans and i feel like for the most part that's right and i am totally under the uh impression or i'm under the way of thinking that an r-rated movie of this probably would have been a better film better more artistic better cinematography probably better script etc but I don't think the average person or the average Queen fan gives a crap about any of those things. And so they knew that they could make a standard rock and roll biopic kind of movie. And that's all people would really want as long as it has the songs that they remember and know. And I feel like that's exactly what they went for. And that's exactly what they did with this. So I I admit that there it serves its audience for the most part. And most people that I've talked to, have really, really enjoyed this film. But like I said, I have my quandaries with it, and I'm excited to talk about those with you guys. Um, which montage do you want to talk about first? <laughs> yeah, Endless. seriously. Seriously. It's like anytime they needed, like, man, we really want to include this song, montage. but we don't have, we don't know how they recorded it. All right, let's just throw a montage in there of Under Pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, well, it would have been really cool to see how they wrote Under Pressure or David Bowie and said somebody play David Bowie. It would have been, it would have been pretty fun. But mm-hmm. um, I thought Vanilla Ice wrote Under Pressure. No, you're That's true. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's vastly different, Richard. I, yeah. It's... I've read the court papers. It's very different. <laughs> 
That is crucial. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, this was weird. It was the one big, it's definitely a kind of a lovely tribute. It's like a really high budget. One of those, like, remember VH1 MTV have done those, um, they did the, uh, like, new edition movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was, it was like a high budget. It's one like straight of those, out of right? Compton. Yeah, but, but not that good. But, but, yeah. uh, more on the, more on the new edition version or something. More TV movie. More all eyes on me. Yeah. With with a fabulous lead, I think Remy, Remy Malek was was far better than I think any of us expected him to be in the role. And and like you said, I mean, it's certainly something where you where you expect um, you expect it to be much worse. And 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 the the Sasha Baron Cohen version was in the works for so long, and he has. As you mentioned, Ken, such the look, the perfect look for Freddie Mercury, and then, but I don't know if he could have done it this well. I mean, he, he, you know, he, the acting he chops. Pro- yeah, I mean, he's a great actor. I think he's a, I think he's an underrated actor. I mean, I always tell people he should have won the Academy Award in '07 for Borat. Because, yeah, the definition of acting is tricking people to believe <laughs> that you're really a character, and he literally did that. I don't know <laughs> if anyone else did that that year. Um, but anyway, it, it's, but the movie is just very, very by, paint by numbers. But it makes me realize the big box office of it. I expected it to be fine. I didn't expect it to be this big of a hit. And you really start to think we're all music nerds here as well. Uh, the, I think Queen might be the most universally beloved band other than the yeah. Beatles. Yeah, I, I think, think you're right. Uh, there are bands that are bigger for sure, but there's they have detractors. Also, there's people that like really love the Rolling Stones or really love Zeppelin, and they have like hardcore fan bases. But there are also people who don't like those bands. But the Beatles and Queen are the two that are like everybody is at least a seven out of ten on them. Like who is like Queen? Eh, I give them like a three point five out of ten. Like no one, <laughs> no one is like that. So yeah, no um, one hates Queen. Yes, it's exactly. Weird, no one hates yeah. Queen. No one hates the Beatles. So it's like. Um, it, it actually one it's one of those things i i i will say hindsight's 2020 when when this when you read the box office and it's like it crushed you're like oh yeah well yeah everyone likes queen like that's a really wide swath of of human beings that at least want to hear these songs and and see them performed live like a concert film even if the movie's kind of meh so it's it was it really opened my eyes to that more than i really i never really thought about that but it's you know i like queen my wife likes queen or both of our parents like Queen. The guy down the street likes Queen. I mean, in my neighborhood. Uh, but, but you know, the guy 20 miles down the road, the woman 20 miles down the road, it's, you know, people like We Will Rock You or they like Bohemian Rhapsody or they know, love that Live Aid concert or they there's some moment, they like Wayne's World, they have some moment in their life that Queen is fun in and you mm-hmm. go, oh, mm-hmm. this is one of the most beloved pop culture things. Like, if well, it's a great way to look at it. Rotten Tomatoes score, right? Maybe not a lot of people have Queen in their top three favorite bands. A lot of people do. But if you did Rotten Tomato scores for bands, Queen might have the highest score. Because everyone's going to give that a fresh rating. Yeah. No, you know, no one's going to rotten it. And that you can kind of yeah. game the system that way. And so when it comes to a movie, it's something everyone's going to go see. Sorry, I've gone on too long. Brian, I want to hear no, your thoughts. No, you're good. No, I think you're spot on. Um, <laughs> I saw it over the weekend. I wasn't. I, I can't say that I was looking forward to it. I think this trailer is great. I was sort of excited about Rami Malek. I, Brian Singer is a just, we need to stop letting him direct things. Uh, I think we have. 
Yeah, but he got a movie announced just a couple weeks ago. So I don't I don't know. It's I had I was conflicted going in. I don't like biopics. But that Jerry Sandusky story needs to be told. So he's <laughs> the perfect person to tell it. Um I don't like biopics at all. And and that's that's not been a I don't think that's a controversial take at this point. It, I'm I'm very bored by what we do with biopics and this it kind of screamed biopic by the time it actually got here. This is the type of movie that I kind of hate talking about on this show about reviewing because all of the stuff that is wrong with it. And there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that is problematic and bad (laughs) and just really lazy and poorly done is stuff that the average person doesn't notice. And I don't mean that as in, in terms of like we are some, you know, film critic, pretentious snobs. We just, but, but we talk on the show, we talk about editing, we talk about camera choices and directorial moves and things like that. And you know, and editing and, and you notice and editing yep. and editing, gosh, mm-hmm. but, uh, and sound editing and editing, and, 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 right. All this stuff. And, you you notice having done this for five or six years, people, the people like my wife and our friends and people that I go to see these movies with, they don't pick up on those things more often than not. And it's it's a kind of a bummer. I don't like to be down on. A, I don't like to be the guy that like just craps on something that everybody else likes because nobody likes that person. So I I don't. I'm not that person. But as I'm sitting watching this movie and I'm kind of tallying up all of the really poor choices as far as just movie making go like the things that we expect from a good quote-unquote good movie uh and i'm tallying these things up and it's just like gosh this is so much crap especially in the the first hour i thought was abysmal and i i I was really i i've never fought with myself more to try to like a movie knowing that i you know i love queen songs and i'm i I think rami malek is, is doing a very good job and i get what we're going for here it's very clear within the first like five minutes that this is not trying to be uh like steve jobs biopic was where they were clearly trying it's, it's to more jobs win academy award more steve, yeah, more steve sure. jobs than yeah but it's jobs it's certainly, and steve jobs yeah it's right. like a walk it, hard parody at some it's like they never yeah, saw walk yeah. hard. It, 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 that's very true so there's just so many things that i'm stacking up in my brain of like gosh this is bad this is that's such a bad choice why are we doing this and I know in the back of my head, like, the people that I'm with are not going to see any of these things. And therefore, I'm going to be the guy that's kind of a bummer about why I didn't care for that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I, was, I will say this. I'm very happy that the, the last, like, 45 minutes of the movie are the best 45 minutes. It ends on a high um, and kind of al- it allowed me to walk out feeling okay about – the movie as a whole and and you're right can and both of you are, are spot on you see the box office total we know all the stuff that went into making this movie we know the brian singer issues all the stuff that happened and then you see the box the box office total and you know very clearly like this was the right move because they they made a movie for queen fans to go and watch a movie about freddie mercury and it made a ton of money and so you kind of in some ways you can't um you can't fault the studio for going that route as a film it's a terrible film like it's just really horribly made it's a, and it's yeah it is a made for tv movie 
It yeah, really is. It, it, it's it's brutal, and and there's just so many. So look, I think I think Rami Malek did a great job. I think I think he, I think he saved large swaths of this movie from just being just repugnant and and just so bad in in the filmmaking quality of it. And Queen is awesome, and so the songs are great, and you get these, even in montage moments, which I hate, I'm so tired, and the first hour of this movie is just one long montage, but even in that, you have these sort of standout moments. But the music's kind of great, so you can kind of yeah, so many lose jams, yourself man. in that, and that that's, there's, I don't know, there's there's some skill in making that happen. I just, my point with all, with any movie like this is always going to be I don't understand why you couldn't do both. I don't know why you can't make a good movie that also is entertaining and makes a lot of money because we have so many examples of how that can be done. But regardless, I, I it's it's entertaining it's, in the right ways. It it is. And on all the rest is like okay, we can't do a, a, a studio or or a, a concert scene every single scene. So we have to break mm-hmm. it up somehow. And yeah. I think without Rami Malek, all of that falls flat. If you don't no pass question. the right person yeah. and none of this works. So mad respect to him, but yeah, it's like we can, we can have four montages and six music scenes and then we've got to have, okay, we've got to have four big moment kind of scenes. And, and I can probably name them right now, right? When he first goes to the band, when he's uh, meeting his girl and then uh, talking with this girl across the, uh, alleyway or whatever it is across the street that's a big stuff yeah. and then there was um a lot of parents stuff that felt really biopicky the like Gosh. angry dad angle that they took you know i mean sure that yeah. that was part of his life but just the Ugh. just the uh you'll never be my son like kind of like tone that they took was very very cliche and i'm sure there was a a little bit of truth to that but um i will say I really enjoyed the opening shot scene with playing somebody to love with him just walking out to the stage at Live Aid and like everybody just turning and looking at him, you know, like it's shot from behind and you can't really tell who it is at first. Of course, we it was know, Bradley but, Cooper, it turned out. Yeah. That was, was the weird one. Lady Gaga <laughs> was holding the same. Um, but I just liked that it was a cool way to start the movie. And uh, he just walks out on stage at Live Aid and then the, it kind of resets to them before uh queen and how queen started as a band and all that um i don't know who did the uh vocals because not all of it's freddie mercury there's this guy named mark martell i don't know if you guys have ever heard him that sounds very close to freddie mercury that has a big following of people that are trying to get him to be in queen but queen won't won't take him as their singer because he i don't know he doesn't it's not experienced or whatever, but check this guy out. Mark with a C, Martell. Um, he sounds exactly like Freddie Mercury. And I don't know if they hired him to like do some of the vocals here, but there was a lot of scenes that had really good Freddie Mercury vocals. And, and obviously you can take some stuff off the songs, maybe some of the outtakes of the songs you can use. But I was really impressed with how they weaved in what you f- think is Rami Malek singing into sounding like freddie mercury singing well, that was very good a lot of people probably thought it was remy malik but i don't know what the story is there i'm going to look it up on, on yeah how they did that overdubbing yeah i could tell the track was being played but it was more because 
the uh, the rest of the band did a much poorer job of selling their parts to me than yeah. than Rami Malek did. I mean, you, I get why you don't play live. I get why you do you know the dub and the track and all that instead because it's you know he's got a very iconic voice. It's very difficult to sound like he sounds and you or sounded and you can't. Oh, yeah. I, I get that. I totally get Probably that. the most uh, just original voice original and just crazy range like yeah just the most four octave uh prodigiously talented front man ever i think yeah i mean prince but he's his own thing yeah prince is the only person i can can compare their not only their singing ability but his actual musical chops of sitting down on the piano and just shredding shreddy mercury incredible not as good of a guitarist as prince definitely but uh who is maybe those would be my like top two musicians of all time maybe you're right we're gonna get a bad prince movie at some point right oh gosh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. dave Chappelle in the lead role yeah. be great. <laughs> bruno be great, mars though. is yeah oh that's gonna happen no he, yeah <laughs> you just you just killed kent oh no that's tough that's tough. Bruno, is bruno yeah. mars like the op- most obvious we're going to see him in Vegas in 10 years, act of all time. Oh, totally. And he'll put on an incredible show. It'll be that great. Guy, He's doing a Vegas show already. Man. That's what he does. He does a Vegas show, but he does <laughs> oh, he it does? in a freaking arena. Yeah. No, I'm not saying he's not in Vegas. I'm just saying that's what like, I mean. Like he's gonna... What he does is 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 that, and that's awesome. I like that. I'm Mr. Uh, you know, I love tacky yeah. Wayne Newton entertainment. I'm mm. a total mark for it. Sign me up. Magicians. Like a good dove act, <laughs> you know? Yeah. One of the first things I noticed in this movie that I was like, that's definitely not what happened, was when he's on stage with Queen or Smile for the first time, and he just, like, grabs the mic stand awkwardly. Like, he can't yeah, hold it, and he, like, it, rips yeah. it off into the iconic yeah. Freddie Mercury mic stand. I was like, there's no way that's... They were at their just, first show, and he just ripped it off because it was wasn't moving. You know, there's no chance. But uh, that was a fun, I guess, fine way to reveal that. You did I don't that. Know, the real which, story you, of them being like, "Hey, this this might be cool, guys." Instead of this yeah. dramatic moment on stage where he's like, right. "Now he has his mic stand." Right. You did I, I that think... with Forever the Sickest Kids, Kent, but you did the old celery <laughs> trick with it. I did. That was your trademark. And you gotta go. Th- right. and it might seem counterintuitive, <laughs> but you go thin in first. Oh, okay, cool. Otherwise, it just slips right out, or you want to just... Oh, okay, you, cool. You, no, you want to do it thin in first. It oh, okay. On the mic stand, yeah. You can okay. pick in with the celery, but... Oh, gotcha. It, so it it's is counterintuitive with the celery. It's but, counter, yeah. counterintuitive. Like, you want to put the mic up, up there, but you yeah. put the mic stand instead. So. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, can't, like, to your point, Kent, that... If you do five of those through the course of the movie, if you take... Because, like, I don't care... On many levels, I do not care if – I think the job of a movie is to entertain and then tell a story in the process of that. I don't think that the job of the movie is to be a documentary, right? Like that's not what uh, – if you want that – if you want the true story of Queen, you need to watch a documentary or read a book or whatever. Yep. That's that's a different thing. However, so I'm like – I'm fine with taking creative liberties to make a movie more cinematic and all that. But I felt like the mic stand thing – was kind of like a microcosm of every narrative feature of this movie because they just they they took the the timeline and the stories and the the truths and the fake and all this sort of stuff and twisted it 
so much that you kind of lose sight. At, at, at some point, you kind of have completely lost sight of this being anything resembling a biopic in the true sense and just like creating a narrative to fit the need that you want for this movie. And I, I really try, I I don't feel like, I feel like typically I I can avoid getting frustrated by that, but this, this movie, I felt really pushed the boundary on that. It just is very willy nilly with truth and facts and twisting it and trying to make this whole thing play out just so that it works well in a Hollywood script. And the reality of it is different. And I think better, I think more interesting. I don't know. I, it to me. Let me ask you this: Did you guys? I, I said that I felt like the second half was better than the first half. Once we, it's like 1980. Once they get to that portion of the movie, I felt like this is the this is the the part of the story of the Freddie Mercury story that Brian Singer and the rest that were involved in creating this movie. This is what they were actually interested in telling, and the rest. It's just preamble to get to that point. It's like an origin movie before you get to the movie that they actually wanted to tell and and put on on screen. And I there's there's just a lot of maneuvering around to get to that place. Does that make sense? You guys get what I'm saying? Like it yeah. just it it not very following. super biopicy in that first half. And it's all montage, and it's all rushed through, and it's all we've got to show everything that happened with Queen from 1970 to 1981, and get mm-hmm. to the point of the story that we actually want to focus on. And I yeah. just, I feel like maybe just tell that story. If that's the part of the right. story that you are invested in, then let's tell that story. I don't know. It, it, it I don't know that the rest. But then again, like we said at the outset, that's does it make the money if it's if it goes that route? I, you know, I don't know. Right. I think it does. Rami Malek a disservice. I didn't buy him as Freddie Mercury at all with the long hair and no mustache. Same. As soon as he Same. cut the hair and got the stash, I was like all in on it. It was, it felt like a different performance. And, and I think if he had done that the entire movie, like you said, if it started in 1981 and skipped over most of the origin stuff, he would much be much more likely in my mind to be a best actor nominee. I don't think he will be from no. this. I but think so. uh, I think they're he campaigning been. mighty hard for it. Oh, I know they will until some good movies come out, and then Vice is going to take like three awards or you know three nominations in itself or whatever. But but this is uh, I th- I thought it was admirable admirable from him, and I I think he played the emotional part really really accurately and well at the end, and there were some scenes that he's crying and things like that that. Uh, I could definitely never do on camera, so he got to respect that, right? So there were some things that was that was kind of the first thing I noticed with the mic stand. Um, the one scene where he's at the table with his parents, his girlfriend, her parents, and the entire band, and then he gets the call that they got signed. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I, there were so many convenient things yes. like that here. Too like, much. yeah, you know Too that much. happened, but did it happen in that way? Definitely not. Uh, for example, um, them later on in the movie, they're Tr- Freddie Mercury's arguing with them for being late to a recording session, and they're threatening to kick Freddie out of the band. And then Timmy from Jurassic Park's like starts playing <laughs> the starts playing the bass of uh, 
what is it, another one bites the dust, like starts playing yeah. the bass line immediately. Yeah. And they're like, what's that? And he's like, it'd be a song if you'd stop arguing. And then they immediately write another one bites right. the dust, like right then. I I don't know if that's how it all happened. Like in the same meeting that they were going to kick Freddie Mercury out of the band, right. they wrote another one bites the dust that way. I, I mean, maybe. Yeah. No, look, but I'm sure not. that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm sure all this stuff. All of it is movied up with movie dust and movie magic, and we've got to make it. And that's, like, I'm fine with that. You're not. It's again. It's not. It's not the movie's job to tell. No, they the fired their manager. Yeah, but and then immediately wrote you, it. That's what it was. But this is one that there are so many of those moments that you just you just start to feel like you're losing all touch with reality and you're kind of losing credibility in the process when it, it, it's just like it's like the last 20 minutes of forrest gump for me where it's just like oh so this one dude literally changed the course of human history in about a thousand ways that's how this started that's how it starts to feel that's like that feels like the impetus for almost all of the narrative within this movie is it's two parts it's we've got we've got to tell the story of freddie mercury the uh, and his battle within himself and his sexuality and his, and his disease and all this sort of stuff. But the the big thing in the B story is we've got to show – we have to have all these MacGuffins and plot conveniences and all, we've got to show how they came up with all these songs. And it oh, just, my gosh. It is the one that made me eye roll so hard, Brian. His credibility, yeah. Was – Maybe his eye rolls so hard when he's laying in the bed with Mary and then he reaches up and plays oh, the opening gosh. line of Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Man. I was like – are you freaking? Just... And then he goes, "Could be something." <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you play that, you immediately write that song. I don't. <laughs> they they work that into like a motif of this movie so many times. Like he just sits down and starts playing that piano line or whatever. Like he's yeah. it's like it's a song he's been writing his whole life, and it just as if it was any different than any other song that they wrote. You know, like it was like his entire life was building up to that moment. You know, maybe so. Maybe that's the way it happened, but for right. drama for drama's sake, they really hammed it up on the importance of Bohemian Rhapsody as a pop culture movement. It was obscure. Mm-hmm. It was a very obscure song. And I um first of all, we, we can all agree that they cast Mike Myers just to do the Wayne's World joke, right? Yeah. Yep. He pretty much reason. admitted that <laughs> like, on the he was on Colbert and talked. I was kinda on to that. Until he said that line, and I was like, "Okay, that's that's the only reason he's in this." People aren't gonna bang their heads to this. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah. my god, yeah. My but theater loved it. it. That played very well with with my crowd, with with the audience. So, but it you know. doesn't it take you out of it? It did for me. That, that takes not... you out of exactly what you're trying to build as a director. Of yeah, we need to make these people feel like this is should have had Mercury. one of those, and then you should put have Mike one... Myers making the most meta joke in cinema history. <laughs> <laughs> in your in your biopic, this isn't should've, even like a, a fake narrative movie. You know, this is like a real person's life that you're doing this with. Should have cast one of those other two guys in the backseat of the Mirthmobile, not Wayne or Garth, but the, those other two guys. <laughs> yeah, the other two dudes. They should have played one. One of them should have played that part. Yeah. If you're gonna spew, spew into Dude, he's gonna, this. He's gonna yak, man. <laughs> Let's just go into Wayne's world for a while. I got about twenty nine two out. <laughs> probably got about twenty nine more hours in me. Yep. I'll have the cream of some young guy. Um, so there are some highly dramatic parts in this. Um, first of all, his relationship with Mary. I didn't know much about that at all. So I was completely enlightened to hear or know that part of the story. So 
that was something about Queen that I didn't know was how close he was with Mary throughout and just kind of that relationship and her getting married and him still kind of having a thing for her, even though he knew they couldn't be together and things like that. Um, I like that part of the movie. Um, the scene where they fire the manager was a little obscene in the fact that he berates this guy for giving him a solo deal or offering him a solo deal. And then he takes the solo deal later in the movie. It just makes Freddie Mercury look like a pretty bad person for ruining that guy's life. And then ending, ending up taking the offer. It's one thing if you're like, I'm never doing that, get out of here. And then he didn't do it. And then that would make more, a little bit more sense. But, um, but yeah, I was surprised at kind of how it turns, but I will say this movie features my favorite queen songs. So I didn't think it would feature a somebody to love, which they did in the open. Same. Um, B, I want to I want to break free in that music video, which they kind of mm-hmm. highlight, and Radio Gaga. That's and yeah, yeah. they show the live Live Aid version of that, and that was really cool. So I was I was happy to see it wasn't just We Will Rock You and mm-hmm. Another One Bites mm-hmm. the Dust and Bohemian Rhapsody. They actually kind of did some of the while they were hits. There were more deep cuts. Uh, that Queen yeah. did, and they gave them their time in this too. They didn't just play like a line or, or two for from those. They gave gave them full full time for the Queen fans to really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple teas, like I mentioned, under pressure. There were a couple songs that you're like, man, I wish they would. That's a great song. I wish they would have done more with that. But uh, and like you're my best friend, which was another one that I really enjoy that they mention in this. But and also Killer Queen, they have maybe a little half second, a half. I don't know. 15 seconds of that in the uh, their first kind of touring sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are my favorite as well. Like uh, Radio Gaga is my favorite Queen song by far. Mm-hmm. Somebody to love. And then I love I love Another One Bites the Dust. I know it's like super overplayed, but Freddie's voice on that is so mm-hmm. cool to me. I just – it's it's another uh, – it's a variation of all the variations that he could do with his voice, and I love that on there. Richard, what's uh, – What's your jam? What's your what's your queen jam? Mm, um, gosh. Um, I would probably say. I mean, it's not a full queen song. I love "Under Pressure." Um, and I love "Smells Like Teen Spirit." You like Spirit. bicycle, right? <laughs> smells like bicycle. smells like Teen bicycle. Spirit is probably my go-to. <laughs> Just dumb guy about music. Uh, yeah, bicycles are off, but there's so many, there's so many great songs. Yeah, no, I'm a big uh, fast car. <laughs> What's Tracy Chapman? Oh, I always confuse them. Oh. I'm sorry, I always confuse it's Tracy normal. Chapman and Queen. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I like this bit. I'm gonna. Feel like that should be <laughs> the guy that confuses Tracy guy, Chapman and Queen all the time. Music guy, Which one yeah. did Bohemian Rhapsody? That was Tracy. <laughs> che- no, that's Queen. That was Queen. Okay, it's Queen. Oh, right, right, right. Gotcha. Right, right. No, I knew that. I knew it. No, <laughs> He's like real confident me, in it. Real fast. Who did Blurry? Was that that was Queen? Right? No, that's that's Puddle that's of Mud. I think. But <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look. I mean. Can you take it all in? Can you rub it in my face? Like really operatic. Wes Gantlin's the, the new <laughs> Freddie Mercury. Isn't That's what I like to think about him is. Right. He's the handsomest guy here. <laughs> How much uh, – did you like the scene where they actually did Bohemian Rhapsody? 
and recorded that and all that. That's I what most thought, people were talking about out of, out of this. I thought that was the only one of the creating of the song yeah, that montages that had a place in the movie. Yeah, because that song is so theatrical in nature that you can really ham it up and something like that yeah. and it's not ridiculous. That was kind of funny <laughs> with the drummer. I'm like, how many Galileos am I going to do? <laughs> Galileo! Yeah. Did that but bother I, you? I hated... I no, what bothered me was was when they like cut to the chicken <laughs> rooster <laughs> calling One at the old bits. Gosh, that was for brutal. Galileo, I was like, yeah. "This yeah. is a this is like a slapsticky yeah. kind of thing." See, no. I mean, that's what that's what I'm talking about. It, there's so many little things like that throughout. I mean, it's not it's not one, it's not ten, it's it's dozens of little little throwaway cuts and scenes and and awful close ups. Gosh, the the freaking the the ugh, the, the close up camera angles over and over again the face yeah yeah it's it's just that's all stuff that i don't know like a film school graduate should know better than this stuff you know and we're 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 past this and again it's not things that 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 my wife is is going to notice and it, it but for for me i'm sitting i was just cringing through so much of that that sort of stuff, and just feeling like, gosh, can, wh- why? Why are we doing this? Like, it's, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. What are we adding by cutting to this rooster crowing and the odd Mike Myers? All these things. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what what the object of that was. And uh, in, in the scene where they're pitching Night at the Opera, right? Don't they say they sh- they reveal that he was the the executive for Dark Side of the Moon, and you're telling me this guy doesn't understand art rock, and he made Pink Floyd a big thing? Like, that's what I didn't understand about the executive thing. If the guy's saying, like, this is not radio-friendly enough, so you're telling me Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon was radio-friendly? I don't... That didn't line up. Like, don't even mention Pink Floyd, because that skewed the entire obscure bands can't be successful angle that they were going for here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an unnecessary throw-in. It's like, oh, by the way, this guy had the, had dark side of the right. moon was one of his out. You know, like who cares? Let's just make this a better narrative yeah. experience for us. But, um, but yeah. So I, I'm maybe the only person and that you'll ever hear review this that has music industry experience, and so that this made me even more kind of <laughs> hold my tongue at moments, you know, because it's just like that never happens with booking agents you know kinds of things and uh so i'm probably way more harsh on this than the average person i will say that um before we continue this review um let's get towards the end here and they like i mentioned before they do the uh, live aid thing and i want to talk about that as well as what i guess will elephant in the room of how Mm -hmm. do you think they addressed the AIDS situation, um, I will admit, they showed a lot more than I thought they would in this movie in terms of his partying and things like that. And I'm glad that they mentioned the AIDS thing and the way they went about it was, you know, him finding out and then him telling the band, you know, I want you to hear it before you hear hear it from me before anyone else. You know, I like I really like that and that's probably how it happened. I don't know I can't imagine you would change how that conversation happened for this movie yeah but, they did uh, they did <laughs> yeah oh yeah my gosh. i mean that's another again look again i'm not i understand it's a movie but he he did not know for sure that he had aids until 1987 
So it wasn't until the Magic Tour, which was their last go around, mm-hmm. that he uh, fully came forward to the band. And there's still some. No, I I get. I think all parties have been pretty closed lips about like what actually how that actually was disclosed to them, and if he made some kind of big speech or if they just kind of inferred. Um, that's that's kind of up for debate. So I thought that scene was very good and very well done and was about as organic as it was going to get in this particular movie. You know, that certainly doesn't it wouldn't hold up to like the best, I don't know, heart tugging, gut wrenching scenes like that in, in of the best movies we're going to see this year. But for this movie, I thought it was pretty well done. But but yeah, can't like that. The further the movie gets along, I think for one thing, one thing it, it it finds more of the story that it's actually trying to tell, but it also super skates around what and then kind of just takes puzzle pieces and plugs them in here and there to to suit the narrative. And I I I guess I don't have so much of a problem with that, but I know that that has been a big issue for uh, like real big time Queen fans and critics and reviewers. And I think has been I don't think this has played as well with uh the lgbtq community as they expected it to on that front because it's it's kind of a muddled uh, it's a bit of a muddled story with him of what he's actually facing and how he's taking it on and what his life was like all that sort of stuff it's it's very i think you guys would agree it's it's done for for the cinema and i'm not sure that that's exactly how it 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 should have been played i don't know there there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit lost in the translation there to me but yeah sorry i didn't mean to jump all over that but that's yeah that that scene is plays well for the movie but not not accurate and and the timeline is just all over the place on that stuff i totally agree uh now let's talk about live aid i thought this was probably the stroke of genius of this movie was ending on that and showing that performance you know a little bit of it in its in uh in its entirety they didn't do we will rock you which they did do at live aid they cut that out of the movie but everything else i really respected how they the attention to detail on how they recreated that and rami malik's attention to detail like when you go back and watch the Real live aid, like he actually does blow a kiss at that moment, and he pretty much memorized every stage move that Freddie Mercury had, like to the T. But just the attention to detail of having the same amount of cups on the piano that he really had, and it looked identical to the real one, and I really appreciated that. And it made for and a great, great cameo by the cup. <laughs> yeah, it's disguised <laughs> as a Pepsi work, cup. Man. Yeah, like in costume. I mean, they're like such a cool, just it's like Matt Damon doing Scotty doesn't know. Like he doesn't have to be in it, but the cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Not not credited either. That's what's like just credited. Yeah. He, Classy move by the cup. You got to respect him there. But yeah, I I really liked that and doing um, Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously, and then Radio Gaga, and awesome. it was just We Are the Champions too. It's such a in my band when we used to tour. We used to end every show with We Are the Champions, like playing as we walk off stage, like the actual song, and the whole crowd would go nuts, like singing it, you know? It's mm-hmm. one of the most, like, triumphant songs of all time, and it just leaves you with that 
that uh, feeling like you can accomplish anything, you know, and they knew that and they ended on that here. And it was like you said, Brian, you leave the theater, you're like, okay, you know, you almost forget the 10 montages. Mm -hmm. The one that had like the neon letters like flying at you. That was like 1988, 1989 or England, Texas or like wherever. That was so cliche, man. That That has, that has no place in 2018. There's that just, that should not happen. And, and it wasn't too long before that was the, the thing, the, the moment in the movie before that, that made me, made me roll my eyes to the point of of having some kind of a stroke was uh <laughs> was the trucker like when the when he's talking on the phone to Mary and the the trucker comes out of his truck and they're just eyeing each other and it's just it's so NBC nineteen ninety five. We got to dance around this. Can't really man. No, the one out there. Yeah, where he goes into the bathroom. Just, and he, it's so bad. And he's just like man. staring like, at the men's the bathroom. Slow mo, like, and they're kind of yeah. they're. It's just like okay, like let's <laughs> let's let's do this. You know, like either go <laughs> just do this or don't. Like don't this dance around. It was so freaking bad, so bad. But what do you it was do? it was hard. It, you can only do that with a. <laughs> PG thirteen. That's the choice you make, right? Yeah, yeah. Richard, what do you think of Live Aid concert then and that sequence? You know, that's one of the. I think um, I'll just I won't bury the lead here. Great in the film. I thought it was super effective and really well done on the whole. And, and like you said, leaves you at least momentarily thinking highly of this movie until you start reliving some things like we have been tonight. Mm-hmm. However, you know, not even however, but that is probably if you're going to put together the a pantheon of YouTubery, um, yeah. that's you know that's definitely up there. I think with the some of the clips that everyone's watched the most, it's, it's become uh, you know, obviously it was iconic in the moment, and then had a gap because there, unless you had weird VHS tapes from 1986 or whatever, uh, there was no way to rewatch it. But then in the, in the age of YouTube, when, whenever that got uploaded in 2007 or something, right. It became instantly iconic again, because it's such, uh, I, you know, what's funny, Richard, perfect performance. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, I looked it up. The, uh, the queen live aid performance mm-hmm. has 175 million plays yeah. or something like that. The sure. Bohemian Rhapsody Muppets version has like 186. Wow. <laughs> it has, the Muppets version has more than the Queen of Life. As it should. As it should. No, How would just... Freddie feel about that? Would he be stoked about that or pissed? <laughs> you know, you got to be happy with the 175, I suppose. But yeah. it's just this thing that we all know. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, mm-hmm. and that's really hard to live up to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's doing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And re refilming that and making it interesting. I, I will give this movie credit for, for at large pulling that off, um, which is something that we know all the beats of that. I think most people do. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. So and it did no. it in an exciting and fun way. And and there's something about being in a theater where the speakers are loud and you have the widescreen and you're going, Wow, this is kind of as close as I'll ever be right. to kind of be in there. So that's mm-hmm. good. That was really cool. And it would have been a great theme park ride if it had just been that. Unfortunately there was an hour and X amount of minutes before <laughs> yeah. that of they're never going to believe in you. <laughs> you know, and you're like, all right. <laughs> that was very Michael Caney. I love it. Um, <laughs> he did come in. I failed you. Um, <laughs> I failed you. You were only 26 years old. Uh, yeah, no, I, that was a, that you're right, Richard. Like that's, 
I don't know how many times I've watched that set on on YouTube, and I'm not even a big. I don't watch a lot on YouTube, but that's at some point that came into my consciousness, you know, five or ten years ago, and it's just like this is the greatest concert experience of all time. This is such a cool, and it really does illustrate like the power of collective concert experience like that you know it's just it's so crazy how everyone in that place goes nuts over radio gaga and hammer falls and all that stuff and it it works really with the so go watch that on youtube if you haven't seen it i thought the movie did a great job of playing that up especially can't you mention like the stage and and the performers really went to to task to get that right and i give them a, a whole lot of credit for that i wish more of it had I wish more of the movie had been had utilized that level of of detail and precision um, because it it really shows there. Except in the crowd, there's a guy, like a guy wearing a Texas Rangers hat in the crowd. No. And yeah, dead serious. And there are a couple other things where I was like, well, clearly everyone here is American. I don't, I don't know. There's no bad teeth, and it was very. That no, part dude, big, was was <laughs> yeah. big That's Rangers weird. contingent in in, <laughs> in England at the time, right? Liverpool, especially. I, I hear. Yeah, a lot uh, of Rusty Greer loves, fans. <laughs> loves David Murphy. Well, uh, just, yeah, just not even the right fans. eras, but they could see it coming. Yeah, Murph Nation. Yeah, um, they're fired up about Dean Palmer. <laughs> I knew yeah, that was going to get you. I was a big Dean knew, Palmer guy. <laughs> Rusty Greer, Dean Palmer. That was my that was one team, point man. Will Clark. Great. A lot of, oh, yeah, greatest lot of team. Ruben Mickey Tettleton. Going around there. Yeah. Jose Canseco. Man, good times. <laughs> what a squad. Well, Ruben Sierra. Mickey Tettleton. Oh, yeah. John uh, Rocker. I, I, I really liked that scene. Um, some of the crowd shots like from behind in the stadium were so CGI-y. Yeah. But the ones of them on stage, like looking out of the crowd, look so good that it really, I, the, my vision was blurred on what was real and what was CG from the stage perspective. But when they started doing like the aerial shots and stuff, it looked really, uh, really fake at some at some moments. But like I, like I said, gotta give them gotta give them credit for for doing that, and it does make you want to go back and rewatch that and listen to all the Queen's music, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's probably pretty amazing how how many people are seeing this, like knowing of one Queen song, but they saw that it did well, and they're going to become huge Queen fans because of this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Then that's that may be that's what that you may want. Be the I guess best thing out of all this. Yeah. The, the, that when you get into when you go on a Spotify or iTunes or whatever in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see all these Queen songs interspersed amongst the luke bryan's of the world and stuff and that that can that's great that would be a great his bicycle version legacy. is good though <laughs> yeah. a little more catfish in his version i don't know yeah that bicycle that that bicycle is lifted <laughs> af but it is still a good song it's got bicycle. Truck nuts. uh <laughs> nuts on the bicycle but uh <laughs> it's just gosh now that will be the visual um no but like if that's the if that's what the movie does then then great i I wish that it could do both. I wish that it could play. I wish that it could be the tribute to the band and to Freddie Mercury that it seems like it wants to be or on paper it wants to be. And more than just like, hey, Queen's awesome. You guys like Queen? Yeah, we do. Okay, well, here's some Queen songs. Cool. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of the, the takeaway. And that's uh, a little bit a little bit frustrating. Stephen Hyden on The Ringer had a great article today kind of breaking down all of the Queen albums and 
kind of intermixing it with uh, the 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 timeline and the narrative of the movie. And he had his this idea I thought was was kind of perfect. We've talked about this biopic mess. His his thought would be said he said that he he said here's the pitch for a better Queen biopic. It takes place during the making of this album, which is Innuendo, 1991, when Freddie was winding down yet determined to make music for as long as he could. We learn about the band's history through a series of flashbacks, each based on the perspectives of the other band members, resulting in uh, a series of different Freddies and different looks at at their at his life. And I feel yeah. like yeah, that's like I read that that paragraph and I was like. Oh, absolutely. That sounds significantly better. Like that sounds like a, a, a that sounds like the Danny Boyle, Steve Jobs way of approaching yeah. Steve Jobs' life. And that is one of the few biopics in the last five years, the ten years that I've actually thought was good and enjoyable was that because it kind of took a different tact. And that that seems good to me. But but again, this made like eighty million dollars, so what do I know? Exactly. No, I, I think I think you're right. If there's a there's definitely a better movie that could be made out of this. Don't know if it ever happens, but as a fan service kind of movie, it does exactly what it sets out to do. And mm-hmm. play it plays the hits, literally, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's it. But uh but yeah, you guys have anything else on this or you ready to hit grades? Anything like that? I'm ready. Ready. Okay, cool. Uh but I agree with you, Brian, just a side note. I think I just what I mentioned to my sister who I saw it with right afterwards, I said, I wish they had gone into the part where he got almost unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know that's sad, but they do kind of gloss over like his downfall (sighs) at the end. And I feel like that's, that's definitely his story Mm -hmm. instead of him walking off the stage at live aid and Freddie Mercury passed away of AIDS in 1991 or whatever it was, you know? Right. Right. No, I totally, I totally agree with that. Like, from a personal standpoint, I have an uncle. Uh, one of my uncles and his partner both died of AIDS from mm-hmm. in the mid '90s as a a result of of the same. I mean, they were part of the uh, the first wave, you know, or the first wave yeah. of of all before we really mm-hmm. knew what was happening yeah. and and all this stuff. So it's like this is a very personal story to me, and I I was. Look, by the time I got to see this movie, I'd kind of given up on any real hope that it was going to um, live up to what it live up to the, the 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 guy and the songs and all this sort of stuff. But I I did have hope that it was going to really I don't know give a voice to that. I don't know. There's I don't want to get too far, but it, it feels like that generation of people still have not had as much of a voice as they deserve because they all died and we're just getting to a place where um we're giving people we're being a little more intentional about giving people their voices and all that sort of stuff so i i was really hoping that that was going to be something that uh touched on with a little more finesse and with a little more strength too at the same time and it and instead you know you get like it was kind of touching when he's walking out of the clinic and doing the hey back to the kid mm-hmm. and um and then you you know his the talking to and, and i i get ending on the the high that they did with the concert and all this stuff but but you're but yeah i can't like i i wanted i feel like you just you're missing a big chunk of both the story and the 
I don't know, like the what what Freddie Mercury represents and who he stands for, and that that at least I expected they were going to really hit home, and instead, um, not not so much, not so much. Exactly. Okay. So, sorry to go on a soapbox there. Let's hit grades. Um, I know I'm not the majority of people, and um, uh, I've heard a lot of good reviews for this. And uh, I'm going to have to go a little less biased than I want to and admit that it has an audience and those people are very pleased by it. Uh, so I'll just give it a B, average B movie. Um, I'll probably see this again. This is such a TNT kind of movie that we'll mm. probably see 50 times in the next two years. And um, I will admit is it's a guilty pleasure kind of movie because – I think like I think the guy that played Brian May like it was a good choice looked just like him played it the right way you know I didn't think the drummer and Timmy were good at all and they were distracting <laughs> if anything mm-hmm. but uh but you know there was things that I liked about it that I've mentioned so I got to give it credit for getting made and actually coming out after what happened with with the director being fired or leaving midway mm-hmm. through the thing they said this movie was a 6 month shoot Jeez, man. Can you believe that? Six months? That is crazy. That's like Star Wars level. Mm -hmm. This is a very high budget one, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it it did cost a little bit. Part of that is like, they have it at 52 million, but honestly, I don't, I think that's probably wrong. That may be what it set out to be, but Mm -hmm. they had to do so much uh, (laughs) gerrymandering to get everything figured out after Brian Singer had to leave. Because there wasn't much left in shooting, I He still got primarily directing directing credit on this, which I don't yeah. understand. If you don't finish it and you don't and you're not involved in the editing process at all, how is that directed by credit still good? I don't understand how the Directors Guild qualified that, but I'd be interested to know the backstory mm-hmm. behind that. If mm-hmm. anyone could send me a link or something. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a B. What about you guys? Go, go ahead, Richard. Brian. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go... Do, 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 do. There's, gosh, the bad parts of this are so bad. I'm going to go just a solid C. Just a straight solid up C. C. Solid C. Brian, what about you? I'm going to go... I'm going to go B minus. Like, this is the... For me, is like right down the middle. There, There's just... The highs are really good, and I mm-hmm. enjoyed... But gosh, it, but truthfully, I, it it really falls back on like, I just, I really like this music and I thought it, there was a one standout performance and that's, that's hard to give. Yeah. But, but, great the, but they are very good. Like that's yeah, a quality... at the same time, it is, I was saying that as well was the only reason we liked those music scenes was because they were queen songs, mm-hmm. you yeah, know? No, and totally if that agree. was any other song, we'd probably be like, this sucks, move on. Or if it was an original song, right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. just for me, a stars born, I cried twice in that movie, and I knew none of the music going in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can make a good movie and not rely on those easy things. Like, let's just do another sequence of Another One Bites the Dust for seven minutes, and we'll do Stomping right. on the Stage for We Will Rock You, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it totally did that, but at the same time, it was entertained most of the way. But, but yeah, there are better musical concert related movies this year in the past two months actually which is yeah, so, uh, sure. this isn't so, even the best musical of the past two months but no we'll no. see 
Yeah, okay, I'll go B. Yeah. I'll just go B minus. It's like the like right for me is like right the line between uh, you know, a fresh or a rotten movie. But but again, it set out to do what it I, I think it accomplished what it was trying to do. And there's something there's I don't know. I feel like there's some value in that, even if it's not what I would want it to <laughs> set out to accomplish, you know. Anyway, so B minus for me. Cool. All right, let's move on and hit that weekly recommend, guys. Weekly recommend. Okay, Brian and Richard, let's uh, hear your weekly recommend, starting with Richard. Okay, so I'm going to do uh, some music uh, that I listened to recently. There's a um, Bob Dylan does these bootleg series all the time. I almost sent About, you that. Yeah, once or twice a year. Was it the uh, Blood on the Tracks too, or yeah. something? Yeah. So um, he does these bootleg series. Uh, and they're really, really cool. I have a few of them. I don't have the whole set, but I've, I've got quite a few of them. I've got the uh, basement tapes one. Yeah, that Original one's Original awesome. basement tapes, yeah. And basically they – Dylan and his apparatus of whatever go through an area. They pick a random – the last one they did was like his Christian rock era in the 80s. Um, and they basically write awesome liner notes in a book form and they give you all these – unreleased tracks or demo versions and blah 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 um and it's a really cool or sometimes it's like a live they did one of the early ones was was that rolling thunder review era in the 70s of like these really cool live albums and it's just a really great uh they, they've done a great job with with cataloging all excuse me cataloging all this so the new one is blood on the tracks which is i think the, the greatest uh dylan album he certainly has more influential albums but my favorite is Blood on the Tracks, and uh, it's called More Blood, More Tracks. <laughs> Great name for a bootleg record, and it's like, I mean, a million songs long of of, of, uh, of demos and alternate takes and things. But there's a sampler on all your music streaming services, all your uh, your Spotify's and your Apple Music and all that that kind of bears it down. And then the, the set itself, I think it's like $100. And twenty dollars, and if you're into this kind of thing, it's really cool with a great book. I mean, like an actual coffee table book, and and CDs or vinyl of, of tons of stuff. So anyway, these Dylan bootleg series are great, and uh, more Bloodboard tracks. If you're ever going to get one, this is the album of one to get. So so I recommend that. Awesome, Brian. Very cool, very cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend a series. Uh, that oh, Sandman! Oh, Sandman! <laughs> That's too much. Uh, yeah, dude. Can have you watched 100 percent fresh? No, I have not. Not yet. I really was thought I, Richard was, was I lying, Brian? I thought he was trying to get us to watch something terrible. I have not laughed that much in years. I was crying. I was laughing so hard, and then I was crying at the end because it was he very talks touching. About Farley or something. Yeah, he does, and and I think I said this to you guys. This is not my weekly recommend because this was Richard's last week. But it just as an aside, I loved adam sandler so much as a youth and a teenager and as a young adult and we have not seen him do anything worthwhile in over a decade and it's just been brutal and we i at least i've kind or of if he does do something worthwhile it's like dramatic it's not yeah oh classic. Totally. Funny people Funny people was the last like thing or the Meyerwitz think. stories last year was pretty yeah he was good in that but it, it's not it's it's never it just seems like he's lost it. and I just had completely written it off and I'm I was sitting and and I've, I've defended him just based on this is all terrible but he tried to do serious stuff and no one took him seriously so fine go make your money whatever but anyway uh, haven't seen him be funny in so long and I was like halfway through that special 
and I just, I don't know, like I started to feel, wow, I didn't recognize how, I didn't realize how much I wanted, like I was rooting for him. I didn't, I didn't realize it until I was in the moment of like, oh, this is actually really funny that that actually meant something to me because of how ridiculously, to my detriment, probably influential he was on my, you know, my, my youth and my upbringing and stuff. But gosh, it's, it is so funny. And I, I really, I really thought Richard, you were doing a bit to try to get us to watch something terrible, but it was, uh, it was, I was laughing out loud, sitting, sitting in my office, trying not to wake up my child. Like I was, it was so funny to me. And I woke up the next day, I had texted a bunch of my friends bits from the thing or like demanding that they watch it. And I woke up to them saying this, there's no way that this is funny. And so I went and rewatched part of it the next morning. I mean, it's, it's a genius special. So, so check that out. Uh, but my, my recommend is a short series on, uh, on Netflix. It's from the BBC. Everybody on Twitter told me that I had to watch it. I did. It's called bodyguard. It yeah. stars, uh, the the Rob Stark from game of Thrones. It's only six episodes long, which is awesome. I may watch this. It's really, really good. And it, the first like 15, 20 minutes is, I'm not kidding. It might be the most intense television I've ever seen in my life. It was like, I was just sweating almost. I'm just completely locked in before they've even done the, uh, the opening credits. So it's, it's great. I think you guys, I think both of you guys would really like it. And again, six episodes is a major selling point. Um, it's very British in that way. And I, I think they'll do a second season, but that may not be for four years because of how the UK does TV, but for anyway, for one season, it's called bodyguard. It's, it's fantastic. Definitely worth checking out. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen that show. I have not checked it out and uh, it's good to get your recommend. I'll I'll watch I'll watch it and uh get back to you guys. Okay. I'm going to recommend uh something that I was able to do over the weekend. Um I did this Star Wars VR thing uh that ILM has done. It's called Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. And there are a few of them around America. There's one at Anaheim, Glendale, uh, there's one in Malaysia, there's one in Edmonton, Las Vegas, Orlando, Toronto, and West Plano, Texas, of course. Um, so what this was, was a fully immersive VR experience. You put on a, a vest, like front and back, you put on uh, a helmet and a visor, and um, basically you live out like a, a scene from a Star Wars movie. It, it's pretty much Ready Player One for real. And I was awesome. completely blown away by it. You put it on, and I did it with my girlfriend, and I turned – you put it on the headset, and you turned to her, and she was a stormtrooper. Like, full gear. It captures all your movement, your hands, everything. And You were into, you were into that. Dude, it was, it, was, it was unbelievable, man. It, you're sitting, like, in a ship with K2SO, and you're flying through the galaxy, and you go land on Mustafar – and like the door opens and you walk across this bridge that's like on Mustafar and it was unbelievable. Like you look all around like a full planet. You were like shooting stormtroopers and doing all these missions and stuff, like typing in security clearance codes, and it was incredible. And I was telling Brian, if you got a kid or you got friends that are into Star Wars, totally worth your time. ILM put this thing together and I think they're rolling it out slowly. And, um, it was, it was truly incredible and it made me realize the future that we're going to be living in very soon. And 
it's for real, man. The Oasis is going to be for real. These fully immersive worlds that you can just go walk around in and all that is, is definitely a possibility. I, I thought it was fiction earlier this year and come less than a year <laughs> later, I've done something that's that intense. And I will say if you've got motion sickness or anything like that, maybe don't do it because it really does make <laughs> you feel like you were in a different world for 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is. And um, totally worth it. It's called thevoid.com and Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. If you see this thing, I think they have it at D Disney World, at Disney Springs, it says. So mm -hmm. if you're skeptical about it, don't be skeptical. Go check it out. Totally worth your time. If you're in Vegas, if you're in uh, Glendale, California, at the Galleria, check it out. <laughs> Star Wars awesome. Secrets of the Empire. Brian, if you I come out well. here, I'll go with you. Yeah, I want, you I'm, have to experience this, we should this, all man. three do it together. Yeah, we That'd should. That'd be kind of fun for like a little social media piece. That'd be cool. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Uh, Richard, you would love it too. I'll, I'll bring the uh, mushrooms. You can do like multiple people <laughs> and you can all see each other and you can like follow a guy down the hallway, you know, like nice. it is, nice. it was, I can't say uh, enough about how intense it was. Like, wow. Like you're in the movie. How long is it? It's like 30 minutes maybe. Okay, like cool, there's cool, cool. definitely like four levels that you have to get through kind of, but it's, there's a lot of story stuff that you sit through and things like that. But it was a uh, mind blowing. I will say I was very impressed. Very impressed. Uh, Secrets of the empire, star Wars VR. Sweet. Check it out. Sweet. Okay. This has been a great show. I want to thank Richard and Brian as always for being with me. Uh, next week, I believe we are talking. Ralph breaks the uh, internet, something like no, that. No, next week is uh, uh, Overlord. What girl with the spider or Overlord or something? We, we need to figure out what we're going to do next week. So. Overlord is getting pretty decent yeah, reviews. Yeah. I thought so we had a guest. Our guest for Spider just canceled, so we 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 can we can alt we can change that. We can I would Overlord. definitely rather see Overlord than Girl in the Spider's Web. Thank and I think our you. listener right. would rather hear our thoughts on Overlord than That's Girl in the Spider's Web. But let's uh, do it. Let's do that. Lots of okay. movies coming up, though. Thanksgiving's going to be big. We're going to have like five episodes that week. I think. Yeah. There's just so much. We are, um, we're talking Mrs. Doubtfire in the VIP this week, too. So Hello! If, you, if you like that movie and want to hear a throwback convo on that, join the VIP. And uh, we got to sign off, actually. We got to get to the VIP lounge. Um, I think they're playing Ignition right now. So I can't miss that. I'm renewed and ready. Yeah. Um, so thank you for joining us today and we will see you next time at the show goodbye Play. hey baby i hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs and maybe i seem a bit confused yeah maybe but i got you pegged <laughs> but i don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs they're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salad is scrambled eggs. They're calling again.